0: Podcasting following, I I guess we can call it a thrilling win after an exhausting day. I think it was more of an exhausting, maybe it was an exhausting win after a thrilling day. Uh, But the Wizards won, they beat the Hornets 130 to 126 at home. Only their third win in their last 12 games, they're now 14 and 23. It was just kind of a, as Bradley Beal would say, it was an everybody eats. Today, kind of uh, everybody, all eight guys who played had between nine and twenty-four points. Ariza had twenty-four, nine, and seven. Uh, Thomas Bryant had twenty-one and ten. Thomas Adoransky had twenty and, and four and six, and Kemba had twenty-four in the fourth quarter and forty-seven for the game. Uh, but we're not probably going to talk about much about the game. I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I cover the Wizards for uh, the Athletic, and I host the Wizards After Dark. I'm here with Rod Boone, who covers uh, the Hornets for the Athletic as well. Yes, sir. Glad to be here, mm-hmm. man. Well, let's let's open with non-game talk because we got to talk about John Wall. Yeah. John Wall uh, has a chronic Achilles heel injury, which is the Wizards' phrasing, not mine. Uh, which is a lot worse than bone spurs in his heel, which is what we thought. Turns out the bone spurs are kind of dig or the bone spurs kind of digging into his Achilles and that's what's causing the pain and the injury, and that's why the, the surgery is now necessary. He's had the bone spurs for a long time. It's caused pain. Uh, it's caused like shooting pain up his leg, especially the last few weeks. Now the Wizards are going to be out, with him, out without him for six to eight months, certainly for the rest of the season, maybe for a large portion of the offseason, maybe into the start of next year, depending on how that timetable goes. And uh, that's a very big deal. It's a humongous deal,
1: man. I mean, this is your franchise player. A guy's making, you know, $30, $40 million dollars the next couple of years with his contract. To not have him to build around this team is a weird thing for this franchise right now. You know, they're not playing well. And when your star player is also hurt on top of you not playing well, it's just time to probably just blow it up, man. At this point, to, to, to come out here and, and go status quo is not a good thing for them. So to me... I want to see him blow it up because right now it's not working at all. I think with Wall not being here, it won't work when he comes back. Just got to reduce the whole situation, I think.
0: Yeah, I wonder I wonder if blowing it up is as easy as people say, though. Because everybody says, blow it up, blow it up. But you can't trade Wall now because Wall is now coming into a – I mean, ignore all the like trade kicker talk, which has kind of been fringe, nerdy NBA talk coming into this year. Ignore that. Like John Wall now has an Achilles injury, is out six to eight months, and he's starting on a supermax deal next year. Exactly. So there's no nobody's taking that. Do not. Somebody insinuated to me in the league today. This is this could be one of the. It, it, he, he called it the worst contract in NBA history. That's saying so. something Considering Gilbert Arenas' contract is uh, <laughs> the worst probably of all time. And so. and so like that's, I mean that's 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 something. So Wall's off the table. I don't really understand the rush to trade Bradley Beal. Because he's got three years left on his deal, and what everybody just kind of agrees is like a reasonable contract for a guy of his caliber, and he's having a really good year. And look, if you can get great value for Bradley Beal, and there's a huge bidding bidding war, and all of a sudden you can get all these young picks and high draft picks or great young prospects you love or even great current players and it's just the value that's coming in is like unbelievable. Yeah, anytime you can make a great trade, make a great trade. Nobody other than like LeBron is untradeable. But like, I don't see why the Wizards should be getting 80 cents on the dollar for Bradley Beal. I, I that, that's, and I'm not saying that you're saying that. No, um,
1: I agree with you because the same thing happening with the, the Hornets in some regard. People are saying, you know, maybe you should either trade Kemba if you can get some for him or trade Jeremy Lamb. As you know, it's not easy to trade players in the league right now. Teams are still kinda of in it right now. They wanna see what they got till probably mid uh, mid January, somewhere around there. And you don't wanna just blow it up and just trade pieces as you said right now and don't get what you feel should get back in return for those guys. So to get rid of Bradley Bill, as you said to me right now, makes no sense. If you're gonna retool this thing, it's probably best to wait till the off season. That way you have draft picks coming up, people have cap space, more movement happens. But I agree with you. You have to have some players to build around here, okay? So with John Wall being, you know, really hurt and almost damaged goods right now, who else do you have besides Bradley Beal? You know, he's a crowd favorite. Uh, the fans love him here. He's a good shooter. As you know, in this league, it's, it's, it's paramount to have a good shooter playing alongside a good point guard to be able to have a good, solid team in the backcourt. So I, I agree with you. To get rid of him right now makes no sense. But if you can find the right deal, that gives you back what you should get back from him
0: in return, then you have to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I also think – I know Tom Harrister wrote about this today, and I was so annoyed that Havister I was so wrote that. about this
1: <laughs> because I
0: have a draft. I have like you know all these thoughts on wall, which is just kind of plastered into my word processor right now, and I kind of have to form it into an actual mm-hmm. observations piece, which is going to run tomorrow morning. And I'm so annoyed because one of them <laughs> is – and I talked about it on this podcast before, is you can just take the Memphis approach. where Memphis made the playoffs seven years in a row. And Mike Conley gets hurt, has major surgery. They weren't playing well anyway. Marcus is not having a good year, and they just dive. They get rid of stuff on the fringe, and they dive, and they win 22 games. And then this year they're back up, and they're competitive again, and they got Jaron Jackson out of it. And Jaron Jackson's awesome. He's really, really good. And the Wizards could make a similar play. You know, you could are over the tax line right now. Mm-hmm. They can... They can trim the fat on their roster, get below the tax, and then figure out everything else later, hold on to the pieces that will help them to the future, get rid of those fringe guys, and then make something out of it.
1: And I agree with you. The the one thing we've seen in the NBA is if you can have a good draft and have some good first-round draft picks, you know, top 10, 12, 15 players coming out here, and you make the right pick, you're going to be good the next year or two if you just give those guys time to develop. So I agree with you. At this point, to just sit here and play status quo for these guys, they're not going anywhere. The division, although it's easily winnable for them, if you win the division and go to the first round, what's happening? You're going to lose probably to the Bucs, Celtics, um, Sixers, some team like that really where you're not really going to make yourself any better. So I agree with you. From their perspective, the Wizards, it's, it's probably best to just go ahead and just kind of dumb it down. don't tank specifically the fans don't like the word tank but don't exactly go out there and and give it your all knowing that you aren't going anywhere this year it's best for you to kind of find a way to get some young players in here to kind of
0: make this roster whole once again so the Wizards now 5 back in the lost column of the 8th seed do you think they have any chance of getting there?
1: I mean they do the East as you know is really weak this year the Hornets, as we just saw are not a great team they're an okay team a 500 team can the just get there? Of course they can, but as we just said a few minutes ago, do they really want to get there? Will it help out to get there? And I don't think it will because, you know, this team, as we said, is not going anywhere. They had a good win tonight against the Hornets. Nice, you know, spiritual win which are you know, key guy, you know, being down. But I don't see him doing anything beyond, you know, making the AC. So I, t- to get to that point, to me, is not a good thing for them. Just go ahead and just finish the lottery and. If Find a good player to can build around.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this game for a second. Um, so Thomas Bryan goes for 21 and 10. Uh, Thomas Sadaransky is at what? 20. He has 20. Ariza has 24. Uh, I don't know. I'm stuck in the middle of something between, like, this is a good thing that they don't have wall, and all of a sudden they have 35 assists on 48 buckets. It's all spread around. Troy Brown gets in the game. He plays well. This is like the first time Troy Brown has really gotten rotation minutes, and it's kind of felt like it'll be a thing. And it sounds like Brooks is going to continue to play him. And I promise that has been a recurring thing on Wizards Twitter, whether Troy Brown is going to play or not. Uh, And I'm kind of stuck in the middle of like, because this isn't the first time Wall's been out and the assist numbers go way up. I'm stuck in the middle of like, it's a problem that they're home against the Hornets when both teams are on the second night of a back-to-back, and they need all those dudes to just like go off way more than they normally would in order to win a really close game. Uh, and they don't have wall, and immediately they start sharing the ball, and they move it well, and Beale didn't shoot the ball well, and they still were able to get to 130 points, and maybe that's something encouraging.
1: Right. I mean, you can't read too much into one game, but the ball movement was definitely there. I mean, the Hornets gave up a lot of points in the paint as well. But to have, you know, four of your five scorers, I'm sorry, actually five of your your, your starters, basically in double figures in a game where you lose your best player before the game, emotionally, you're not sure how they're going to come out and react, this was a great win for them. What it means going forward, as you said, but the way you see, but to be able to have all those assists, you know, 35 assists, the Hornets had 22 assists. They play a lot more one-on-one ball Kemba, out there. So it shows you, you spread the ball around, and your teammates are more involved. Everybody feels a little more into the game. Um, You're happy. Um, You play a little more defense because you might get the ball on offense. So the Wizards came out and played a great game. A lot of ball movement, crisp screens, um, cut to the rim. The Hornets
0: just didn't play well defensively, but the Wizards took advantage of that for sure. Something Scott Brooks has been doing the last couple games, which I think is really interesting, Interesting, he did it against the Hornets too, because the Hornets have Hornets had the same starting lineup like all year except for one game, right? And so tonight, he only played eight guys, and he played the starting lineup. So the starters were Ariza, Green, Thomas, Bryant, Bradley Beal, and Satoransky. He played those guys twenty six minutes, which for perspective is like a wild number for a start. That's more than half the game playing just your starters out there. Normally, you're going to rotate guys, and now. And maybe you're gonna get those overall minute totals that are gonna be about the same. But the fact that they all played together for that long is a is a crazy number for starters to have played together for that long. And he's been doing that now for a couple of games with just making sure the starters stay together. And I I wonder if he's going to keep doing that because it's an interesting trend.
1: I would say probably because one thing about James Borrego, the Hornets coach, as you said, the start line for those guys has been locked in pretty much all season. Everything else has been haywire. It depends on how he's feeling that day. But you're right. To come out here and have your starters play that amount of minutes together is a good thing because he's probably saying they're playing so well. The ball's moving so well around the perimeter. You guys are playing off each other so greatly. I don't want to tinker with this. As a coach, that's actually what you want. You want the line to be put out there to do it on both ends of the floor. If they do that, it makes your job a hell of a lot easier. And Tonight, I mean, I was impressed with Thomas Bryant. That guy inside was a beast. He was killing Cody Zeller. He was getting offensive rebounds. He was just a beast inside. And the Hornets, I think, weren't expecting him to come out there and play the way he played. So if you have an interior presence like that playing inside, you have a reasonable on the perimeter slashing, and you have Beal making his jump shots, they could be a tough team to beat if they play this way each night. As we know, the NBA, it could change on a given night depending on how you guys feel, how
0: the opponent's playing. But tonight... It worked well for him, and we'll see if it happens going forward. Yeah, for perspective on how much Brooks has used that lineup now, he's only used it for four games, and it's already uh, you've been used for the fourth, mo- the second most minutes of any lineup he's used this year behind their behind their regular starters, which is wild. It is wild.
1: But that shows, again, that the coach is trying to find the right rotation. I mean, there's 30 games into the season for both of these teams right about now. You figure he has a good handle, but... They're still trying to figure out what works best. And as you say, with John Wall being out now for a season, it's time for him to find what lineup works best. Who can he trust in crunch time? Who plays well off each other that they know they don't get the ball, that um, they drive to the basket and somebody's waiting for him. As a coach, you need more time with your guys on the court to see what they can do, and if this is just the fourth time they've done that, he needs a lot more to kind of see what they can do overall before he feels comfortable with them doing it each game, I would assume.
0: Holy crap. How good is Kemba, man? Man, Kemba's he, been out of control, bro. I mean, out of control. He just has these, like, spurts where, like, it's a fourth quarter tonight. He goes for 24. And Bradley Beal, by the end of it, is, like, trying to pick him up at 94 feet and just trying to bother him and annoy him in whatever way and try to get in his face even when he doesn't have the ball. And it's like... He's making these threes where it's like, he made that M1. Error. That that four-point play that he had was just absolutely wild. Like, I don't know how he makes these shots. I don't either, man. And the thing about him, they say he's 6'1". We well,
1: he know he's not 6'1". He's probably like 5'11", somewhere around there. But to come out of this league against Giants every night, double teams, blitzes, boxing one against the next couple of times, zone defense is being played against him now. The guy is killing it. And you kind of feel bad at times because he doesn't have a lot of help. At times he gets Jeremy Lamb to come out there and help him out, take another score. But he doesn't have that big dog every game where he can say, you know what, if I'm not scoring the ball, I double team a little bit more, I will pass the ball to my guy and he'll take us to, to, to the to the hole. He'll take us to, to the promised land. It's not happening for the Hornets right now. It's why they're 17 and 18. and can't get a winning streak going. It's just win one, lose one. You know, lose two, win two. Um, but Kemba is playing out of this world right now. And the thing is, it's good for him because with the All-Star game being his hometown and Charlotte this year, it actually would be a good thing for him and the franchise if he can play in that game because, you know, he's obviously the piece of that city. They love him. They want him to come back. They want him to re-sign. And the guy is just unbelievable, man. I can't even put in the words in time what I see from him each night. He's just crazy scorer. He's also a really good guy who, as you
0: can see tonight, Give fans autographs. He's a people person. He's a really good player, person, too. And we'll yeah. bring it full circle before we wrap up because John Wall now is not going to play in that All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a homecoming for John Wall. Sure, yeah. I know that was something that uh, I think he was excited to do with the possibility of it happening uh, when the game was in Charlotte, was going to be in Charlotte a few years ago, and they eventually moved it to New Orleans at the last second. Mm-hmm. And I know that was something that, that I think he would have been excited about, John Walls from Raleigh. He would have had a lot of people who he knew who would have been able to go to that. It would have been as close to like a homecoming for All Star as he could possibly have. And uh obviously with the injury he's not gonna have that opportunity mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's I don't even know if he's thought about that yet, uh, but I'm sure he'll be upset about that. Yeah, it's
1: probably not the biggest thing in his mind right now. I'm sure Serge is at the forefront of what he's trying to do and get himself right, but I agree with you. Whenever mm-hmm. <clears throat> you are you know close to your hometown and can play an event like that with the All Star Game, where you have all your peers there, stars from around the country, um, you know, just all kind of people who look up to you and think you're basically you know one of the best players in the league. To not be able to play in that game, I'm sure it's a bummer for him. Um, again, the season itself probably I'm sure he cares more about that, but when you have a chance to be amongst your own crowd, you know, two-hour drive, essentially from where you grew up. Um, those kind of games you don't kind of get back, so I'm sure for him it's disappointing, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and credit, he, I don't even know if he would have made it, considering this team is 14 and 23, and Bradley Beal's having a better season than him, and I just can't imagine a 14 and 23 team getting two All-Stars, especially when they both have to be voted in by the coaches, because neither of that guys, those guys is going to start. Uh, but it was possible it was putting up good enough numbers to where it was a possibility and uh, it's possible enough for him to be upset over it not happening now um, plug your great work before we finish up oh cool man well thanks man um,
1: glad to be your teammate first of all <laughs> <laughs> but you can read my stuff at the Athletic um, I cover the Hornets for these guys uh, I, I basically love what we do I bring written features on Big Pat um, the Hornets Classic logo um, Tony Parker i you just kind of help the team coming on uh, from San Antonio. It's just, I love writing about this team. They're an interesting team to write about, and I hope people read my work and continue to read my work all season. Great. People, uh, What's your Twitter handle again? It is at Rod Boone, at
0: R-O-D-B-O-O-N-E. Great. And you can uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. You can give us a five-star review. You can... can Leave an actual nice review with words if you want to do that, and tell everybody how great this podcast is and how much you enjoy it. Uh, the Wizards have three days off after this. They're not practicing tomorrow because it's following a back-to-back, and Jim Boylan does not coach the Wizards. They'll practice on Monday, and I believe they're actually scheduled to be off on Tuesday, which is New Year's Day. Because I imagine, I can't imagine anybody wants to go into work on New Year's Day. No, Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're all happy about it. And then uh, Wednesday, they got the Hawks at home, another day off. And then they go on a tough three-game road trip at Miami, at Oklahoma City, at Philadelphia, which is geographically just nonsensical. Um, but I'll be back after the Atlanta game on Wednesday. And I'll talk to you guys then.